Let us be attentive. My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be understanding. Hear this, all you nations. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews. Let us be attentive. Brethren, it was fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, blameless, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. He did this once for all when he offered up himself. Indeed, the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the sanctuary, and the true tent which is set up not by man, but by the Lord. Peace be with you, the reader. arise. Let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Let us be attentive. time, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief collector and rich, and he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not on account of the crowd, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man 
came to seek and save the lost. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In Moscow, rather in the Red Square, Moscow is the famous cathedral of, of St. Basil. I'm sure many of you have you know, seen pictures of it or heard of it. The very uh, ornate and colorful domes. Really a majestic sight to be seen there. And for many, many years, uh, most of my life, I always thought, and I, I guess I just assumed and I, I hope as some of you here, I thought it was dedicated to St. Basil the Great, you know, the great uh, fourth century bishop of Caesarea in Cappadocia that we honor on January 1st each year. But when I read up a little bit more about St. Basil Cathedral, I found out it was actually dedicated to a uh, 15th and 16th century saint in Russia who's called St. Basil the Fool for Christ. Some of you may or may not have heard of these fools for Christ. It's actually a, a type of saint. There are people throughout the history of the church that they received this title of fool for Christ because of their rather, I guess, unusual antics, rather eccentric feats that they would do, running around, um, yelling at people sometimes, uh, chastising them for their, for their sins, even very vocally and loudly, chastising the, the rulers, you know, emperors and kings who are supposedly Christians, but were not ruling in such a manner. Well, such a person was St. Basil, the fool for Christ. Now, these people, they weren't truly crazy. They were just fools for the Lord who feigned madness to mask or to hide their true humility and their holiness. It was a way to keep themselves kind of, you know, in the shadows and people guessing, really, what kind of person is this? Well, this uh, particular Saint Basil, the fool for Christ, he lived at the same time as Ivan the Terrible, and he often chastised him for what he was doing as not so good ruler at times. But it so happened that this same Saint Basil, when he died, people knew of his sanctity and of his holiness, and Ivan the Ter Terrible himself was a pallbearer at his funeral and dedicated part of that church to this very Basil. One great story of St. Basil the Fool for Christ is that once he was in the great palace of the Tsar during some sort of, you know, honorary party or celebration, and he goes up to a window and he has this uh, cup of wine, and three times you see him start kind of just pouring it out the window. You know, of course, this is kind of the typical things that the Fools for Christ did. You just don't, what is he doing this time? And uh, lo and behold, at that very moment, 
There was a great fire going on at a distant city of Novgorod, outside Moscow. And the people who were there, as this fire was going on, each time a particular house start to catch flames, some mysterious hand poured water over that house. Each time, just putting out that fire so the city was not consumed. And eventually these people came back to the, to the capital to report what had happened, and they see this St. Basil, the fool for Christ, and said, that was the man who was dumping water over the houses. So from a distance, he knew what was happening, he displayed what he was doing by pouring wine out of this cup, but in actuality, in the Spirit and by the grace of God working through him, he was putting out these fires. Well, I bring up St. Basil, the fool for Christ, and, and the other fools for Christ that we have because these, let's say, extreme eccentrics in their holiness are not things that each and every one of us can, of course, emulate, and nor should we. But when you look at the scriptures, we are called to be, in a sense, and to a certain degree, fools for Christ's sake ourselves. Some of the scriptural passages, especially shared by St. Paul from 1 Corinthians, point to this. He says, and this is verbatim, we are fools for Christ's sake. And in another place, he says, the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. Later on, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And one more for us to contemplate. Since in the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. St. Paul is basically saying is the ways of God compared to the ways of the world are foolishness. But in reality, the reverse is true. Those things of the world that go against God are what are indeed foolishness because what God has done in Christ is truly wisdom and truly power. We look at a very familiar figure today, Zacchaeus. We hear about him over almost every single year at this time when we are approaching the Triodion period, that is the preparatory Sundays before Holy and Great Lent. That's right, another fasting period is coming rather soon. This Zacchaeus, as we know, was short of stature, and so a friend at seminary always said, this must be my patron saint. <laughs> In any case, when we look at this man, we see foolishness here. We see the foolishness of Christ and of what God is doing in him. Look at the picture. You have this crowd who are walking around and following Christ to hear his teachings. And as soon as Zacchaeus catches sight, he just starts to sprint. He starts to run. You know, just this crazy sight of this man running along the crowds, passing them up so that he might get far ahead of them. And then the next feat is even stranger, right? He starts to climb up into a sycamore tree, right? You see this older man, I'm sure, because he was a tax collector, 
And he is up in this tree, up in the branches, kind of looking and looking, waiting for the crowds and for Christ, of course, to come his way. I don't know what he was thinking or what he was planning to say, but of course he didn't have to say anything. Jesus simply recognized his intention and his heart and looked up at him. He said, Zacchaeus, come on down, because I'm going to come to your house today. We go on further, and Zacchaeus brings Christ, of course, happily, brings Christ to his own home. And there he does a couple other really way out things. He says, Lord, now that I have encountered you, I'm going to give half of everything I own to the poor. Crazy. What a fool. Can you imagine? Half of everything that he gets, he's going to start giving away. And then he says, if I have, of course, robbed anybody and defrauded anyone, cheated them, because tax collectors were known to be swindlers back in those days. I'm not saying that about today. Back then, he says, if I stole, let's say, $100 from someone unjustly, I'm going to give them back $400. If I took 1000 from somebody, they're going to get 4000 back. If I defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Again, to the world, this small might seem rather crazy, but he became a fool for Christ's sake because it didn't matter what anyone said about him and it didn't matter what the crowds were seeing him do. It's very indicative that the word used for sycamore tree, by the way, sycamorea, it's what's called an apax legomenon. It's found one time in the entire Bible. It's as if St. Luke invented that term. And what it means is a tree of foolishness to heighten and to kind of accentuate what Zacchaeus is doing. Because if he just wanted to say a fig tree, the common word is just a siki. He could have said that. But he made up a word, sikomorea, to show that Zacchaeus has become a transfigured man, a changed man. Foolishness to the world what he's doing now, but he's following Christ. Let's listen to some of the things that we hear in the gospel. If someone strikes you on one cheek, you turn and offer your other. If someone asks you to walk a mile, you go with them two miles. If someone asks you for a shirt, give more than that. Give them the shirt and a jacket you might have. Love your enemies, we hear. Pray for those who persecute you and bless them. All of those are from the Sermon on the Mount. And they sound as foolish, I'm sure, sounded as foolish in the first century as they would on so many contemporary hearers today. Only a fool would believe and do those things, we might think. And only a fool for Christ would try to live them out. But I'm just getting started. Here's a few more. If you lose your life for God's sake, you will gain it. The greatest among you is in fact the servant of all. There is freedom in obedience, Christ says. There is God in the poor and in the outcast in the least of these. 
There is salvation in a man who died upon a cross. There is life because a man died and was buried in a tomb. And that man, of course, is God come in the flesh. So I want to offer a challenge. Go on. Be a fool for Christ. Become even more foolish than maybe you already have been. Do something really crazy like the following. Forgive someone who doesn't even deserve your forgiveness. Be kind to someone who doesn't really want it. Love an enemy instead of fighting fire with fire. Give to someone who absolutely cannot pay you back. Give expecting nothing in return, not even a nod, an acknowledgement, or a thank you. Say no to sin and start saying yes to God. So therefore, brothers and sisters in Christ, be a fool for our Lord's sake. Like Zacchaeus, rise above the crowds that are out there and the ways of the world. Let them laugh at you, it doesn't matter, because Christ will say to you, now I must come and stay with you. I must come and dwell in your house today, in your thoughts and in your mind and in your heart and in your soul. And I want to stay there forever. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, says St. Paul. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And he was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. To God be the glory now and ever, to the ages of ages. Amen.